welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Happy Father's Day. Today we have a Father's Day scripture taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, which say, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This scripture has two aspects to it. First of all, we need to honor our parents, and particularly during Father's Day, our fathers, and be thankful for them. We know that fathers are not perfect, and we know some fathers are really, really not perfect, but they are our fathers. And notice there's a promise, if you honor your father and mother, that your your days will be long on the earth. It means you'll have a long life. But it goes on to say, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This scripture tells us that fathers have a great, fathers have a great responsibility to train their children and to bring them up in godly principles and to teach them Bible truths and help them to be people that'll grow up and have integrity and uh, will be honest and will be hardworking and will do things that will bring honor and glory to the Lord. And so fathers have a great responsibility here on earth and we need to be thankful for our fathers. And I, I think it would be really good during this Father's Day is to tell our fathers how much we love them. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Jennifer Mays, who's one of our missionaries with Global Outreach Mission, and she's presently serving in Honduras. Jennifer, could you tell us a little about your ministry? Well, I'm working with a local church in Honduras called the Christian Life Church, and they have a local site for Compassion International. And this past year, I have been the director of that local site, organizing and administering the different aspects of the Compassion Services to the 200 children that we have sponsored there. You were sharing with us about some issues you had when you first started. Could you tell us more about that? 
Well, when Compassion has their connections to the local churches, they're they're relying on the churches to administer things correctly. And in this particular church that I arrived to, there had been some problems in the past. And so when I got there, I, I identified different problems that they were having with things such as attendance and the administering of different services. Um, so one of the things I've been spending most of my time on this past year is identifying those different problems and, and resolving them to make sure that the church and that program was doing everything with integrity before the Lord, before the sponsors of those children. So because of that, you were able to meet with the children and also their families in their homes? Yes. One of the things that I did in identifying the attendance issues is visiting the children in their homes and meeting with the families. And so I had an opportunity to visit with the different children and their families in their homes and talk a little bit about the need for them to participate, to receive the benefits from compassion. And through that, start building relationships with the parents and with the children uh, as I was coming in brand new in October of last year and just helping them to know who I was and getting to know who they are so that we could work together in resolving some of those issues. I understand that your your goal now is to train another director for compassion so you can fulfill another vision God has given you. Could you share that new vision with us? Well, when I was first searching out where the Lord would have me, I had been with another ministry in Honduras, and the Lord had spoken very clearly He was going to be moving me. And uh, the vision that He has given me is to to start a school, a Christian school, in the community where we are. One of the things that the Lord has shown me in my years, I've been in Honduras for nine years now, and what He has shown me is that the two things that can really make an impact for that country is the gospel of Jesus Christ and a better education, because most people People there have at most a sixth grade education. And so what I am hoping to do and what I believe the Lord is leading me to do is within this next couple of years, train somebody who can come on to the compassion program and take over the being director so that I can then turn my focus to research as to what would it take to start a school there with the church, um, what the government regulations would be, what the requirements would be, and lay out a plan to then set forth that that into motion. So um, it's something I'm excited about. It's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of investigation, but I am trusting the Lord to lead me every step of the way. One of the things that really impressed me is that you really feel that it is God's vision and you aren't trying to do this on your own, but you're already trusting him and following his lead. Right. I I don't have what it takes to start anything, and I know that. I am not gifted in that area. When I first met with the pastor and his wife as I was coming into their church and and coming onto their program, I I was very clear about that. I said, I really believe the Lord is calling me to start a school. I don't have what it takes. (laughs) And uh, we were believing that between uh, the, the pastor's wife has the skills to do administration as well. And between her skills and what the Lord is leading me to do, I believe that we're going to have a partnership that's going to bring to fruition what the Lord has intended for that area of Honduras. You have already been a principal of another Christian school, so this really isn't something that is out of your skill set. Right. I do have a degree in education. I have a degree in elementary and special education, and I have about 15 years of experience. The Lord gave me uh, five years of experience as being a principal of a bilingual school there in Honduras, and I learned a lot from that time and from my position there and learned what works and what doesn't work and would like to then take that information and apply it to this new situation. 
Thank you so much. I really believe that God is going to raise up that school, and I'm so thankful to him for the vision that you have. We're trusting that many will pray for you and that many will help us to make this vision become reality. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We want to remind you that this is a listener-supported program, and we cannot continue to be on the air without the support of our listeners. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled The Greatest Commandment for Father's Day. It uh, talks about love, but it also has a lot of information about the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. And it talks about how they tried to trap Jesus into making an error so that they could go and crucify him and his answers. And finally, when the scribe comes and asks, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus tells them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And then to go ahead and love your neighbor as yourself. And the love of God is explained very well in this pamphlet. And I highly recommend that you would write in to get your copy of the greatest commandment. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231.
Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is a special message about Father's Day. Printed copies are available upon request. Special greetings on this Father's Day to every listener and especially to all the dads. May the Lord bless you, give you wisdom and courage as you endeavor to lead your family in the ways of the Lord. In honor of fathers, I'd like to quote a writer who paid tribute to his father in the words of a poem entitled, My Dad. Some boys, they call their dad papa. Oh boy, that makes me mad. It sounds so stiff and like a book. You bet I call mine dad. And he's a good one too, you bet. The boys all wish they had a father that would laugh and play and love them like my dad. Of course, sometimes when all the bills come in, he's mighty mad. And then we sit as still as mice and hear him storm. Poor dad. It's always over soon, and then you bet we all feel glad. And then we climb up on his lap and hug and squeeze our dad. You can't have kids and money too, he says, and so he's glad the good Lord made him poor or else he mightn't have been our dad. I don't want to be president like most every little tad. When I'm growing up, I'd rather be a good man like my dad. Well, may we all, by God's grace, live good lives that our families and those around will be drawn to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Today our topic is a strong man's deplorable choice. To every little boy, there is no one as big and strong as his father. In the Bible, there were many strong men, some good and some bad. Goliath was a big, strong man, but regrettably, he chose to oppose God and God's people. David, the shepherd boy, would not have been thought of as strong, yet because he knew and obeyed the Lord, God enabled him to defeat the giant. Our talk today is about a man named Abner, who lived in the time of David. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8 says, Abner, the son of Ner, captain of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and made him king over all Israel. Now, we must think back for a moment and remember that God had given Saul to be king of Israel when the people desired to be like all the surrounding nations. King Saul began well, but soon went his own way instead of God's way. His disobedience cost him the kingdom. God rejected Saul and commanded the prophet uh, Samuel to anoint David, the shepherd boy, to be king. David had to flee for his life as Saul attempted to kill him. 
and there were many years that this took place. After several years, however, Saul died in fighting the Philistines. And then Abner, who was the general of the army, as we've said, and Saul's right-hand man, chose Saul's son to be king instead of David. Now, Abner was a big, strong man. He was captain. And in those days, the strongest, the bravest, the most skillful only was made the captain. Abner, of course, was all of these. Perhaps it was his loyalty to Saul and his house that made him do what he did, but more likely it was his own self-interest. If Saul's son reigned, then Abner would be important and powerful. But if he turned to David, he would simply be one among many. A key verse is found in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 6. And it came to pass, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. Now this was a deplorable choice. The tribe of Judah crowned David king, as God had said. But the other tribes followed Abner, and because of his influence, they crowned Saul's son as king. Now surely all Israel knew that God had rejected Saul and that David had been anointed as God's choice. So Abner and Israel's choice was in direct disobedience to God. Abner and Israel surely had heard the prophet Samuel denounce King Saul when he was disobedient. For 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 says, And Samuel said to Saul, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee, from being king. Now, surely if such consequences fell king, befell King Saul because of his disobedience, how could Abner and Israel expect to escape such dire consequences? And of course, dire consequences followed. There were many soldiers of both sides that were slain because of that unneeded war. This was a deplorable waste of human life and all the suffering that accompanied it. Then Abner and Israel's refusal to anoint David king was a serious wrong done to David. This was akin to treason. Fortunately, David did not press his rightful claims, but waited patiently for the Lord to work things out. Abner's action was also deplorable because he chose to support a futile and losing cause. His skills, efforts, and labors were spent for that which would not last, for the house of Saul was doomed to obscurity, and the house of David alone would triumph as God had said. So we read in 2 Samuel 3, Now the house of David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. I wonder today how many of us are living as Abner did for useless and worthless causes. Some of these might be to live entirely for earthly wealth. To do that is to follow Abner's deplorable choice. For Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world 
and lose his own soul, Mark chapter 8. It's one thing to live for yourself or to make a living for yourself and your family, which, of course, is right. As Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 3, the Apostle Paul said, For we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So God has honored the work ethic by setting creation as well as a pattern for man. God worked for six days, then rested on the seventh. We need to follow the creation pattern. The problem arises when covetousness enters man's mind and heart, when more and more things are needed, and bigger and bigger things are needed, and all of life energy is directed in laying up treasures on this earth. God says that's like spending your strength to build up the house of Saul. It's futile. Jesus told the story of a rich man who planned to tear down his barns and build bigger, only to hear God say, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Friends, we need to walk a fine line between improving our lives but resisting the temptation to covetousness. The way to reject covetousness is to honor God with our substance, to support God's church and his worldwide work of missions and other societies and to give to worthy causes. And thus we can lay up treasures in heaven, as Jesus said. Then, too, to live for sinful pleasures is to build up a house of Saul. There will be little or nothing of lasting value, for Scripture says the wages of sin is death, Romans 3. And whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, Galatians 6. Moses is a good example of making choices that bring eternal blessings. In Hebrews 11, verse 24, we read, By faith Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now notice what it says. Moses chose between having all that Egypt could have offered him, riches, power, fame, pleasure. But he thought, that will only be for a few years, and then it's all gone. But if I follow God's will, it may be suffering for a few years, then I will have all eternity to enjoy it. Moses chose to follow God, and today he enjoys life beyond anything our minds could dream of. Scripture tells us he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and talked of his great work for sinners that would be accomplished on the cross. I wonder how many other exciting things he has experienced over these years as a result of his choosing God's way. And the best yet, there is all eternity ahead. King David understood something of this when he wrote that in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16. To live for the sinful pleasures of this world is to doom your life to futility, disillusionment, and regret. To live your life and make choices in the light of eternity is to guarantee a life of satisfaction here 
and a very happy eternity. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, the interesting thing about Abner is that he had a change of heart. He decided to stop his futile efforts in support of Saul's house and began to encourage the reluctant tribes to do what God wanted, that is to make King David king over them. In 2 Samuel 3.17 we read, And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, Ye sought for David in times past, now do it. And Abner spake in the ears of Benjamin, and in the ears of David, all that seemed good to Israel. Abner was of great stature, and he was thus successful in persuading the tribes to end their rebellion and turn to David as king. Friends, that was a great step for Abner and Israel, for it was God's plan that David should reign, and out of David's line, of course, would come his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is to be king over all Israel as well as the world. Now, if Abner could change and make the right decision, then so can we. Scripture says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you will turn to Christ today and receive him as Savior, as Lord, and as the King of your life, then you can begin a whole new chapter, just as the Scripture says. The promises that God made to Mary so many years before was that Christ should be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign forever. Friends, this is the kind of thing we need to be supporting, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to be king over the world. If you have not followed his will and his way, then turn from following the house of Saul and support the house of David follow the plan of God for your life, and he will bless you. I know the message you just heard was a great blessing to you, and I trust throughout this week you'll be able to apply it to your life. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're really concerned not only about people growing in their faith and being discipled by the Word of God, but also there may be some listening to us who don't know Jesus Christ personally. They know about Jesus. They may be in a religion, but they don't know him personally. And Jesus tells us through the disciple John, but as many as receive him, unto them gave he the right to become the child of God. In other words, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. The reason you need to do this is because all of us are sinners, and the Bible tells us that sin will put us in a bad place. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And then Romans 6, 23 says, but the wages of that sin, the wages of any little 
sin. Any little lie that you say, the wages of sin is death. That's spiritual death. That's separation from God. That means that you won't go to heaven at the end of your life. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift, the gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you need to ask Jesus to come into your life. You can do that by confessing to God that you are a sinner and you need grace, that you need a Savior, and ask him to come into your life as I did many, many years ago, he did, and God changed my life and allowed me to have a life that's been very fulfilling over all these years. And we're giving away this copy of The Greatest Commandment, and if you want your copy, please write to Canis National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And you can find past programs of Canis National Bible Hour on our website, which is missiongo.org, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. I trust God will bless your life and draw you close to him throughout this week.